Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. You are now listening to Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Time to get embarrassed with us. Oh my god, was that a phone? Oh, there he is. We just yo. We have a phone call what? already and we just began, Jimmy. It's like a it's like it's no. like a half robot host. Allison is it coming is. it's coming to us from New Orleans. I mean you guys, I I mean best decision I've ever made in my entire life. Are you, uh, are you chilling like with a gator right now? Um well I'm on the porch with a banana and a red stripe, so basically yes. A banana and a red stripe. Welcome to, yeah. as God intended, <laughs> Lost and Rewound New Orleans uh, edition. Except uh, we're not in New Orleans, but one of our guests is totally lapping it up in alcohol and beads and money. And I mean, it, you just you just finished up with Mardi Gras recently. How was that experience? Um, it was fucking crazy. Amazing, as it should be. Yeah. Did you see crazy. lots of awesome. tentaculars? Um, actually, not really, but I saw a lot of clothes and a lot of puke and a lot of dancing. Beautiful. <laughs> nice. And beats. A lot of beats. <laughs> nice. Lost and Rewound comes to you every week on Radio Free Brooklyn from 3 to 4 p.m., and if you want to contribute any of your old audio from the R Yester Yars, you can email us at lostrewound at radiofreebrooklyn.org. And if you want to donate Ooh. to our show and keep it funky, fresh, and free. And fabulous. Oh, Yes. You can do so oh, at. Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that to me? Yes, to you over the phone. <laughs> www.radiofreebrooklyn.org slash LAR. To us. For us personally. Yeah, for us personally. But if you want to contribute a whole amount of money to the station, to our community, we are a 501c3 non for profit. Contributions are tax deductible. It's all for a good cause. We got a uh, great. Hey guys, it's eighty. I'm in eighty degrees right of now. Of course you, know, you okay? are. Yeah. Well, okay. well it's like sixty it's here. Yeah, so it's we're chilling. okay. It's chilling. Yeah. We got a little bit of rain over the last day or so. Uh, for full disclosure, but you know, whatever. Yeah, but we don't have like snakes <laughs> and big bugs. Well, you got all that. You got frogs oh and God, such. Of course. Like you can go out and catch a toad without that much difficulty. Uh-huh. Okay. Hey, Allison, we got to get started. You want to stick around and be a part of this week's uh, edition? Of course. Let's do it. Coming to us is Rumchug, a.k.a. Trevor Scranton, fresh off the Coast Guard duty. He's here. He's been wrapping around 
these parts, and from down south, specifically Georgia, now for 16 years. Welcome, Rumshug, to the oh, studio. Thank you, Jimmy. Good to see you, man. Rumsh- yeah, good being here. Can I call you Mr. Rumshug or Rumshug, or should I call yeah. you Trevor? You're just Rumshug school, yeah. Well, <laughs> sure, why not? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> How do you get the name Rumshug uh, immediately to mind? I have to ask that. Uh, the origins of it actually came from a D&D game, and I, I never really got into it, but I was dabbling, and I had some friends playing it, and I really liked pirates. A lot of stuff I was writing at the time kind of revolved around philosophies of freedom and stuff like that. You, you know, I'm not really much of a drinker. I, I can't chug rum, really, but I liked the idea of drinking a lot back then. Have you tried chugging rum before? Yeah, but oh. then go <laughs> with a name like Rumshug, you got to give it a shot. Didn't What's go wrong? well. I'm a lightweight. Yeah, one. <laughs> Good thing your name is not like uh, shoot myself in the temple. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> when uh, you created this moniker, were you playing around with like a few other monikers, or was that one like, yes, if I'm gonna have a rap name, that's my rap name. That's my artist name. Yeah, there wasn't really much else I was thinking of. I mean, I, I created the name, and I liked it. And, and that was before I started the music. And right. Then I got into the music, and I said, okay, that's that's my MC name. Maybe I started out as more like MC Rumshug, just so people knew what I was about, but then I eventually just kind of dropped the MC. The origin of my, that thought was if you were like a Russian rapper, and your name was Russian Roulette, you know what I'm saying? Mm. <laughs> you know, once in a oh, while, wow. people would ch- that'd be a good name for a Russian rapper. I like that, yeah. Right? But people would challenge you every so often, right? <laughs> like it would happen. You know, and you'd like, if you're like, no, I don't play, people would be like, all right, guy. Like, what's the deal? Jimmy was saying that you're in the Coast Guard. How long have you been serving? Seven and a half years now. What prompted you nice. to do that? Oh, well, I graduated uh, college at a bad time. It was around the 08 recession. Moved away from my major. I studied broadcasting, but they kind of pushed me towards local news, and I, I didn't like that at all. I had a job offer in Savannah. I didn't want to take it, so I said, I'm going to move back to Atlanta. So I moved back to Atlanta. That's when I started dabbling in stunts and martial arts and bouncing. And I worked at UPS for a while. And uh, just after kind of like three and a half years, I was like, okay, I should do something. And I didn't want to go back to college. I didn't want to get loans and go for a master's degree. Right. Uh, the military had been in the back of my mind, but I always put it off. And When you said that you were bouncing, do you mean like at a bar? Yeah, uh, yeah. bars in, in Buckhead. There was uh, the park bench and Peachtree Tavern. I could see that. You seem like you don't take any guff from the swine. I don't dispute the desire to move to another city and try something on, but I am curious when you said uh, that you were not into doing local news, what was it about uh, being in broadcast and then having the opportunity to start at the local level that uh, did not seem appealing to you? Huh. I don't know. Like, sometimes I think, like, I sabotaged myself, but, uh, you you know, it's just like, okay, the pay in Savannah sucked, and it wasn't like stuff I could see myself doing for a couple of years. It, maybe it was just youthful impatience, shall we say. Yeah, you always are making decisions that are risks at the time. Uh, I think there's a lot more risk when you move to a totally different city, but you're from the South originally, right? Yeah. And where exactly, what town are you from? Uh, Dunwoody, Georgia. It's on the it's a suburb north of Atlanta, kind of outside of Sandy Springs. And your parents are from that same area as well? No, no, we're not a southern family. Um, really? My dad was from uh, New Jersey. My mom was from uh, East oh. Ohio. Where in Jersey? Where in Jersey? Yeah. 
Uh, he went to uh, Mountain Lakes mm. High School. Oh, where's that in Jersey? I guess North Jersey. Okay. But, but, I'm but in Westfield. I, I don't know. Like I guess Central, like so. in the 70s and 80s, that's when, you know, a lot of jobs were coming uh, down south and Atlanta was starting to boom and and outsiders like me came up there. Yeah. You sneaky, sneaky <laughs> Yankee doodle dandy. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of scene were you getting into in college? Obviously, you had your academics, but then extracurricularly, you uh, might have uh, gotten involved in some cool social scene. Uh, not really. I, I, well, it was Georgia Southern University uh, in Statesboro, Georgia, a very small area. Not much to do out there. So I, I don't know. I didn't really do much like extracurriculars. I had... You know, a small group of friends who I hung out with um, would often go back to Atlanta, hang out with some friends. Um, like, I wasn't really, I mean, I'd catch some shows, um, like, in, in Athens and Atlanta and stuff. Yeah. I was um, going to say, like, you're close to uh, a hotbed of music uh, just by being right there in the region of Georgia. Um, so when you were in high school, even before you got to college, you were probably uh, taking advantage of that. Uh, not really. Really? No, that was like... Yeah, I didn't really get heavy into, like, punk rock or anything until my college years, yeah. It was punk rock first? Uh, Hip-hop first, but there wasn't really, like, I I don't know, I guess it's maybe, like, hip-hop's live problem, where it's not, like, maybe I I just needed to look deeper at the time, but it just wasn't, like, indie hip-hop acts all around, or maybe they were hard to find. Which kind of shows were you hitting up more, and... Would you say that there was a parallel between them? Indie punk rock shows or indie hip-hop shows? Indie punk rock. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't know. It just seemed more accessible, easier to find. I would just, uh, you know, like even look around New York City. You you know, you can just kind of look around some of the grimy hole in the walls and you can find some punk rock. Like even in Charleston, when when I was living in Charleston, there was like a little punk rock bar near me and uh, called Tin Roof that I'd hang out at. Punk rock, but but I guess with my music, the way it influenced me, like it, I, I kind of consider it hip hop, but with kind of a punk rock soul. Okay, how did that description come through? Was that like an immediate sort of description that you wanted to implement, or did that come through them over time in a sort of evolution, if you will? It was just something I wanted. Maybe the sound wasn't readily available. Maybe it wasn't something I could quite achieve. But it was kind of like fist pumping, moshing type spirit in, in punk rock I wanted to kind of bring that out in my hip hop because well, at the time I didn't play guitar or anything it was just me, right. and, me and my drum machines you were playing instruments uh, you weren't playing any instruments at all rather when you were younger no no I'm not a musically trained person like kind of like tried trumpet in middle school that didn't work out yeah my freshman year of college I went on eBay bought a Boss DR5 drum machine and just started playing around from there uh, later on, I was like, okay, I'm kind of developing rhythm through the uh, record functions. Mm-hmm. And so then later on, I started playing bass, and it branched out to other things. That's a hard instrument to play, too. That's not the easiest instrument to learn. I, I guess. It was just kind of me, like, starting out, trying to play some Misfits songs, and, and you know, just kind of That's dope. developing the rhythms. and yeah. Do you have any siblings? Uh, two, yeah. I'm Are, the middle. You're yeah. the middle child in a family of three. Uh-huh. <laughs> the sandwich. The sandwich kid. Yeah, I'm the, the meat. Uh, yeah, it's good to be the meat. <laughs> <laughs> Are either of your siblings, be the younger or the older one, uh, musically inclined? My brother was. Actually, he got a lot of, like, pushing into it. 
because uh, he could sing. And he was in the Atlanta Boy Choir. With them, he went to Italy and uh, Russia. Hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. Did he bring down the wall? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't. You guys didn't travel. To, I mean, he went on his own. He went, yeah. That's such a marvelous opportunity that being imposed into your life that knowing that you're you have a sibling who has achieved like that um did that but that inspired you at all in what you wanted to do with music with uh, on your own knowing that you wanted to do something much different not really no because my brother he actually didn't really take the love of music with him like the thing with the atlanta boy choir uh you, you know these dudes would uh sing maybe from the ages of like eight till 12 and then their voices start to change and so <laughs> yeah they get kicked out of the boy choir and he just didn't really do any music after that he was yeah. uh well, there like, ain't no man choir like he didn't even like oh. like, like he didn't really like listen to music even hmm. like me i was always buying cds and stuff but he didn't get into music yeah. it was his penance for becoming a man i seem to recall that uh, we had a guest on one time robin irene moss who was talking about when she was younger and she didn't listen to any current music at all. She only listened to classical music. Uh, and I wonder if like there may be something when you're classically trained to sing, maybe you just don't necessarily have the interest in being as in tune to what is the current. I don't know if that makes sense at all, but clearly you were well, trying Yeah, to probably. Your, your tastes are always going to be defined by what you've heard before. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, for me, when I was a kid, my dad listened to all like classic rock. So I feel like I have a lot of classic rock sensibility because of listening to that. Yeah. And to get nostalgia, you know, it, de it depends on what kind of feelings you're looking for, you know. My grandmother smoked cigarettes, so, like, I get nostalgia from the smell of smoke. It doesn't mean that, like, I enjoy it. <laughs> it's just weird. You can't, you can't ex describe why. And music's the same way. If you have roots in something, it's going to help you to define your taste in the future just because of, like, trying to get back some of those old memories and stuff. That's definitely true. I also probably think if you're studying something and you're really, like, immersed in it, I also think that sometimes maybe it causes you to almost look on the opposite side. Like, if you spend, like, years and years on classical, sometimes maybe you'll go the opposite direction, just depending on, like, I guess your mood. But, I don't know. My dad listened to musicals, so he would drive me to the car blasting ABBA. <laughs> so, you know, I get what, nostalgic when I listen to that. What's with dads and ABBA? What, there is my thing. dad likes ABBA, Love too. My, my dad never got into ABBA. That's, more that's what he says. That's what he says, but everyone liked ABBA because they were the most successful band of all time. <laughs> just very catchy. You, you just can't uh, ignore it. Yeah. Tell us about your parents. Were they listening to music that uh, you were into or were you cr created a clear divide? No, no, it's not a, a divide. It's not like I didn't like their music. My mom would listen to the oldie station, Fox 97. And my dad, uh, well, he, would, he would listen to the Christian radio. Mm. But then he also really liked Elton John, and I'd borrow his Elton John albums. And actually, uh, the, some of the earliest ones was was uh, they had an old record player, and I picked it up. And two of the albums I was most fond of listening to from that was uh, Queen's The Game and uh, Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. They had Love that. it. Everyone had that. Oh. Hell yeah. So you had a little My bit My dad of... loves Elton John. It's... Loves Oh, it's something that I think uh, all of us here in the room can agree upon, although I must admit I did not grow up with it, but you, Jimmy, did as well. So there's a lot of Elton John fandom. Yes, that. I definitely sang that song from the uh, Lion King yes. a lot as a kid. Okay. 
So it's just that one. <laughs> okay. um, I think I might have sang the bitches back a few times. Uh-huh. <laughs> Mostly because I identified with it. <laughs> Do you have a, a memory of singing along and dancing to any songs? Uh, tons of them. Just just all the... Uh, I mean, shoot, I had, you know, a little, little CD player boombox in, in my room. And, yeah, I'd be pacing around. I don't really sit still. Pacing around, uh, playing whatever. I guess uh, with my earliest CDs, it would have been like eventually the hip-hop, uh, like any white rapper, uh, found Eminem. Uh, right. I was going to ask you about your beginnings into rap. I mean, if Eminem was your introduction into it, that's fair, but I'm curious if that, what what was, if anything, your first rap purchase? Shaquille O'Neal, respect. Yes! <laughs> Yo, Shaq, awesome. he puts it down on the court and elsewhere. <laughs> that's perfect marketing executed. Shaq was like, not only do I slam dunk on the court, but I slam dunk in your eardrums. And in that terrible video game, that was really terrible. Shaq Fu. Shaq Fu was bad. I never played it. <laughs> you wanted Not it. Me neither. Everyone wanted it to be good. I have all of Shaq's albums, all four. Are you serious? You have four albums? Well, no, actually, it was four plus, uh, plus the greatest hits album. <laughs> and then I he, apologize, and then he sir. starred in how many films? Shazam, Steel. It's actually Kazam. Oh, Kazam. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, oh, uh, there you go. There's actually, effect. there's actually a Shazam uh, movie being produced. Oh, with the, oh, you mean Shazam with the lightning bolt and the kid? I said yeah. the Mediva effect. It's the Mandela effect. Are they going to do it Sorry. with the kid turning into the older one? Because I know there's like the different Shazams. Um, I, I don't know, but but there's actually a connection um, when we get to the song Blockbuster Bullshit. Nice. We'll get to it. We'll get to okay, it. Okay, but there's a connection between that and Shazam. Okay. So when, let's actually take this moment to play the first track that you have for us to listen to. And this was made in 2003. What was happening to Rum Chug in 2003 before creating the song? Uh, you, you know, I was just in uh, college, uh, freshman year. A piratey fuck. It was freshman year for you. Yeah. And wasn't didn't Pirates of the Caribbean come out around this time? Uh, that was a little later. Was um, little, what year was that? Not totally sure. I know. Well, see, this was written in 2002. This is probably more like there was a, a 2003 huge pirate, recording. you know. Yeah. Upswing. You know? Yeah, yeah, no, I was totally into it before before Johnny Depp, <laughs> before Jack Sparrow. All right, well, let's take a listen to the, what's the word I'm looking for? OG pirate shit? Yeah, let's listen to the OG <laughs> pirate. A bottle of rum is all I need to just buy ill my every deed all the club. My thoughts fail to speed, it's run like deep night, take what I need. Give me some whiskey for that bottle of rum. You won't see anyone act so dumb with a gun in my belt and a sword in my hand. I come from the sea to ravish land. Yo, got crew full idiots. See, they're all the same. Scum's me, but through ignorance. All we see is absolute brutality. Yo, we smell, we kept, we have no man. Team boy, win every battle that there may be. So was the key to victory. To bring about bonds tremendously. Why, well, got two factors to make a sum. Take game, bad dudes, plus kegs of rum. Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum. You don't like me. Come get some, I take you down no matter who you be as I burn their town return to the sea. Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum. Just allowed to make my sense of thumb. Justify my every tribe to make these evil thoughts sublime. I bring chaos. 
to A territory for gold's worth. Death and Gorsi and it's a terror. Has no glory, I shut you up for this is my story. It all began with dreams like history and abandoned now my life of misery. My only option left was to see, thus began my life of piracy. Cause I only live to satisfy me as I'll live. Totally free to abandon every world's wishes. They can walk my plank and die with the fishes. Fishes I am, but that's how I survive. Just as a the battle fly, and that's how I'm living my life. But I'm not giving them because I'm unkind. And my teacher's state of mind. For if you're in time, sure you find thoughts of death, thoughts of prison, such cold-hearted dreams, fears I conceal that tear me at the seams. So whether I live right or wrong, it's the only way I know. For the laws of so-called kings are more crooked than my life's road. So pass through me, hearties, we drown our woes with parties. Soon we be drunk with sorrow, sunk where it claps on floor shall be my bunk. Yo-ho, hold a ball of rum, you don't like me, come get some, I take you down to wherever you be as I burn in your town, return to the sea. Yo-ho, hold a ball of rum, cause down to make my senses numb, to just buy my every crime, and to make these evil thoughts of fun. I still sit proud upon the sea with my hand upon the wheel. My ship be like a tiger shark, and it's looking for a kill. Cause there are hard times where I had not done that I couldn't afford a meal Thus begins our life of crimes that I make the innocent kneel I'm a threat to society Cause I don't let kings rule me With laws made for their security Thus I rise to fill me Yelling on your laws I spit I refuse to submit As you hide around your armies Cowardly Damn ye For I'm freaking wage war in the world With my own ship Navy With a crew that won't betray me As we board your ship to slay thee Yo-ho, hold a bottle of rum, you don't like me Come get some, I take you down to bound Who you be as I burn in your town and return to the sea Yo-ho, hold a bottle of rum, goes down to make my senses numb To just buy my every crime to make these evil thoughts of blood Yo-ho, hold a bottle of rum, you don't like me Come get some, I take you down to bound Who you be as I burn in your town and return to the sea That was very entertaining. The flow was not yet uh, developed, <laughs> can we say? I mean, and, and just looking back at it, it's just like, geez, I, I mean, I was going going sloppy. That sloppy flow right there. <laughs> what, what were your thoughts listening to that, Allison? I know you're, you're over the phone a little bit, so you can't hear it uh, too well, but you heard it mostly, yeah? Yeah, I mean, I, it was harder to distinguish words. So I more got, like, the beat of it. A pirate. Very proud of his accomplishments. <laughs> a lot of it came from a certain... Uh, I guess fears, concerns, insecurities, ones that rock uh, society. You think about, like, like you talked about, like, not having money or nothing. And when you're just like this punk college kid, it's hard to get money. You, you know, you can get a job on campus. They pay you less than minimum wage. And you're like, oh, man, but, but you want nice things. You want better drum machines. This is mad if I was a pirate. You want better microphones. And so it was kind of a fantasy. And, I mean, a lot of the hip-hop I listened to was the same thing. It was, you, you know, I'm broke, so I got to rob somebody. Mm-hmm. Were you inspired by any one sort of uh, type of pirate that's in your mind when you're writing something of this variety? Uh, some of the things I said were uh, taken kind of from this. It's more of a legend, but uh, there's kind of this speech allegedly given by Black Sam Bellamy. And, Who was Black Sam Bellamy? Uh, he was a he was a pirate. Was, yeah. was he now? But he like, oh, was a pirate. He <laughs> but, had an eye patch. But, but he, he mainly <laughs> marauded around the uh, northeast coast of the United uh, – well, what became the United States. 
How are we not doing these voices during this whole entire time? Arr, this is troll. He went to the East Coast. And, and he said something like, uh, in the speech, he said, like, uh, damn ye, you are a sneaking puppy, and so are all those who would submit to laws that rich men make for their own security. And he Did you just say sneaking puppy? Yes. And then uh, he ends it by saying, like, I am a free prince, and I have as much right to wage war on the world as he who has a hundred sail of ships at sea and a hundred thousand men in the field. I can make war with the world just as any king. That's, the, that, that's their philosophy. Uh, yeah, and, and at the time, I, I kind of, well, I guess another cringe thing, not mean to, to, to pick on them, but I was, I was going through a libertarian phase and it kind of vibed with that. Mm-hmm. I grew up though, so you know. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that a little bit. You, were, so, you went through a libertarian phase. I don't think we've ever had this kind of discussion before uh, with anybody who's been on the show. Was that something that you were you got into based on friends that you had, or was that based on something that you found just through your own readings? It seemed like a lot of the people I was around, like my older brother, kind of went through that. But I think it was just kind of like... You know, the Gen Xers and millennials in uh, the North Atlanta suburbs, very red, very Republican area. Um, everybody's Republican, but they, they don't think Republicans are cool. So they're like, oh, no, no, I'm libertarian. OK, fine. Gay marriage. Yeah. Why, and why not? And uh, um, legalized pot. Sure. But they still go with the, uh, oh, yeah, you know, we'll cut the taxes and everybody will do good. And <laughs> but here's where hip hop was so powerful. Honestly, I swear I would probably be some stiff libertarian guy with an MBA, if not for Public Enemy in Paris. Right. So how did that come about? Well, because Public Enemy, of course, are amazing, revolutionary. And so at the time, sure, I'd say, oh, I disagree with a lot of their stuff, but it's dope. I mean, it's got a hardcore beat and, but, uh, but, and it moves you. But but their message is uh, still, I guess maybe they eventually stuck with me or something. Right. There's something about the music that reels you in. But then the message behind it when you really dissect the lyrics really oh. speak to you. Well, here's the thing. When, when I go back and criticizing my old political beliefs, uh, it's all about lack of empathy. It's it's all about ignoring the fact that other people are struggling, that other people don't have it fair. It's the belief that everything's a meritocracy, that, oh, you know, I have what I have because I worked hard, blah, 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 and, and they're poor because they didn't work hard. But, you know, through listening to the hip-hop, and I guess maybe through some of my experiences at uh, the magnet school, it was just kind of like, you know, you think back, and it's like, no, it's not fair. It's not just. And, and let's fight the power. Exactly. I was afforded more like, you know, privilege because of privilege. Yes. That sort of idea. Privilege. Tell us about Curtis Don't Hurt Us. Uh, Curtis was, uh, well, he's one of my best friend's little brothers. and Was oh, he a libertarian, too? Uh, I don't know. He's, he's a meteorologist. Was he, oh. hand, was he handy with a blade? Oh wow! <laughs> was he handy with a blade? He was a meteorologist. He's handy with the telescope. <laughs> but no, yeah, no, no, but this, no. Was, what am I talking about? He said, Alon? "Curtis, don't hurt us." But this, Jesus, Alon. But this is uh, going back to to uh, so my friend Matt. We we've been friends since we were like ten or eleven, and yeah. his brother Curtis was like yeah, maybe like three years younger than him. And Curtis was just like such a whiny little. He was he's a whiny, whiny little kid, and his parents were like they always took his side. And I don't know, just later on as a joke, I wrote a song of, about Curtis and Don't Hurt Us because it rhymed and that's how it worked. All right. So for full disclosure, I do know what a meteorologist is. <laughs> and here's your AccuWeather forecast in the form of Curtis Don't Hurt Us. Weather and with a knife. 
I need more time. Come on, two weeks for five thousand. You know I can't pull that. Go, don't curse. <laughs> thinking uh turning the tempo up that fast yeah but that was that was me trying to get that kind of punk energy into it yeah but but yeah looking back i'm like geez like I, what was i thinking uh, turning the tempo up that fast now i'm actually like looking back at it and i was um i have been thinking about remaking the song so okay i'll have to keep a, a an eye out for that thoughts by the round well, i feel like there was just the energy of like you not wanting to be hurt you know like you're like i feel like you're being <laughs> like gagged and beaten <laughs> by by curtis yes <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad that Allison could hear that one a little better than the last one. I'm glad that uh, I had it in my headphones so I could hear the blood curdling screams of Rum Chug telling me that Curtis should not hurt us. That is a, as I said, that's a very special track. Um, uh, I I will go back and I, I was thinking of doing both the remake and then uh, continuance where I talk about where so Curtis be, is now. Okay, it looks like a three part series. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be a three. It'll have a three part. So wait, better question is uh, because this music is made all on your computer. What software were you using to create this? Well, well, the beat was made on a Boss DR5 drum machine. Just kind of a simple one. It's not even really meant for hip hop. It was meant for, uh, y- y- you know, like singer songwriter types for accompaniment. But it's what I just happened to buy. Um, I just said I need to buy a drum machine. I went on eBay. It price looked right. Okay, fine, I'll buy that. First, I started recording on Acid Music and then moved on to Adobe Audition. Sounded like you tried 
to do a little differently than what normal uh, beat makers would use. I, I guess so. Um, that was around the time Free Loops or FL Absolutely. Studio started yeah. to get big. It was but... like per- it was like right around 2003, 2004 yeah. when Ninth Wonder was coming out with all that Free Loops type music. But but the, uh, the why I had drum machine in my head was from the uh, the song uh, Two Hard Mothers on uh, the Easy uh, Easy Does It album, and uh, he says, "Yo Dre, where's the goddamn drum machine?" And they're talking about a drum machines. So I had to get a drum machine. That's how beats are made, right? Mm-hmm. That was done around the same time in freshman year. Yeah. Impressive, man. So you come in and you're totally like the kid who's like doing bedroom producing, uh, bedroom producing, if you will. And what would you say uh, was the impression amongst your peers? Did they know that you were making music like this? Yeah, it's hard to uh, hide it because uh, <laughs> I remember once like like doing some takes, and then I you know left my room to go to the bathroom, and there's some people standing outside. <laughs> Curtis. <laughs> Uh, but then I, I did. Um, they had a rapping contest, and I went up and I came second, and that was cool. Amazing. So it just kind of motivated. But I don't know. People just got kind of behind it, and I, I think again with my punk rock beliefs or aesthetic, it was just kind of like I said, you know, I can make up for my lack of talent and ability with pure raw passion. When we come back, we will have more of more passion of the passion. More power and the passion with Rum Chug. Allison calling to us straight from New Orleans. Jimmy and I here in the studio for this edition of Lost and Rewound. We'll be back in a little bit after these special words. You've heard me hinting at this for the last few weeks or so. But in case you're not aware, I'm going to be making my directorial debut in a matter of weeks at the Secret Loft. March 12th, that's a Monday, 7.30, doors open. you got to get your tickets online, okay? Go to secretloftnyc.com. I'm directing and producing a beautiful, talented cast of 13 singers and actors, a five-piece band. It's the Phantom of the Paradise in Concert extravaganza that I have been working on for almost a year now, it feels like. But it's been full throttle for the last few months. We are going to be putting on this amazing in-concert experience of Phantom of the Paradise, the 1974 film that was directed and written by Brian De Palma and scored by the legendary singer-songwriter Paul Williams. Um, This has been a dream of mine, and I encourage you all to go and check out Phantom of the Paradise in concert at the Secret Loft March 12th, March 19th, and March 26th. Those are all Mondays. And tickets, again, can be found online at SecretLoftNYC.com. And we're also having a Indiegogo campaign. So if you like more information about how to contribute to that, please email your inquiries and interests to do so at phantomofparadise2018 at gmail.com. Thanks for the support. With Mr. Rumchug. Not to be confused with just plain old Rumchug. Mr. Rumchug. No, here. Mr. Rumchug. Dr. Rumchug, if he can go to four years of hip hop school. <laughs> Dr. Rumchug. Medical school. Rumchug PhD <laughs> here in the studio with us on it, this edition. Yeah, Allison, you have to say? Well, I was going to say, is there going to be a Mr. Rumchug the second? Oh, I don't know. Oh, uh, 
Maybe. I don't know. But... No, he hasn't gotten that far. <laughs> He's but a baby. He's got time. Jeez. <laughs> what, like, a, what a what a peculiar question to ask. God, it's like you turn 30 and all of a sudden like you have to become a baby-making machine, huh? Jeez, patriarch, I mean, patriarchy no, Al over here. For hundreds of years for that. So I'm just asking on the male side, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... The next track on this list is called Blockbuster Bullshit. That's uh, uh, not a tongue twister at all, but uh, is this maybe in reference to the video chain? Yes, and uh, just to clarify, this isn't so much a rum chug track. This is a tribal blarf track. Uh, 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 you're going to have to start over. Tribal blarf. Yeah, so this was uh, you know some of my closest friends. The problem was we were all spread out. One was living in Athens, another in Atlanta, and I was in Statesboro. We were jamming. It was like 1 a.m. We went to Walmart because there was nothing else to do at the time. And there's a shirt that said Tribal Surf, but somebody held it up and somebody read it from a distance and was like, Tribal Blarf? And so we came up with this project. We wrote a bunch of songs and we... Uh, tribal Blarf! And we... <laughs> just played it out. We, I mean, we wrote those songs, and then the next day we played them, and I, I was freestyling. So this is like my first time kind of freestyling in front of yes, a crowd. you had written mostly. You weren't ever an off-the-dome rapper. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. So so it was a good experiment in that. All right. If you ever go off the dome, you have to say Corleone at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Only you would. All right. No bullshit. All my raps come back to the Godfather no, at some point. No, 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 no. Tessio, <laughs> why did you betray me? No more Godfather bullshit they now. They pull me back in. It's blockbuster bullshit. Now, I already sung a song about how we hate our jobs. So when you hate your job, what you want to do is quit and get a new job. But sometimes you can't get a new job. There are assholes that won't let you work for them. The men. This song is about one of these people. It's called Blockbuster Bullshit.
Point out something. Yep. Uh, we record. Okay, you, how much do you want to point out? Well, okay, so that, that, <laughs> a list. that Hollywood video. Sucks. That, that was like 2004. Uh huh. And then like 2012, uh, about all the blockbusters are gone. That's not a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> just putting it out there. Or you just were uh, at the there at the right time for the curve of uh, interest in not renting videos anymore. So you were capitalizing in creating a statement that worked with the curve of technology. See, I don't miss Blockbuster, but I do miss Hollywood Video, man. I miss the mom and pop stores. For some uh, yeah, I'm with him on that. Packed with just like everything. Yeah. So there was five of you up there. Yeah. And that was concophonous, if you don't mind me saying so. It was like, what? Concophonous. It was oh, yes, just like, thank you. Like, I mean, it was recorded. <laughs> that was exactly the way you wanted it. Was, it was recorded Say from, what? from the, that, that was the laptop microphone picking up that recording. Oh, so okay. it was uh, uh, not, not stay of the art. And, and you, you know, it's funny. I love tr- Tribal Blarf because we cooked that up. We cooked up those songs in one night and we didn't practice. And still, I love the passion. I love the energy. And I wish we could have done more with it, but... But I was in Statesboro, Matt was in Athens, Adam and the others were in Atlanta, and it just really couldn't work out so much. Is Punk Rock Hall also done by the same members that we just heard? No, no, this is more of a rum chug track, except it has uh, one of my old roommates. so confusing. You're calling the hip-hop this... tracks punk rock? You're calling the punk rock tracks hip-hop? This, I this... just don't understand anymore. I'm doing my Bernie Sanders here in the studio. <laughs> it's, it's all, that was not bad. It's all about a journey, and the people who help you out in the journey— I became an RA. How long were you an RA for? Half a year. (laughs) Oh, okay. You couldn't even complete a whole year? No, because I drank with other RAs who were underage. So. Uh Uh-oh. Oh. Yeah, yeah. This was one of my residents drew on the guitar, and I had just this little beat on. This is my new drum machine. This was the Emu MP7. That was when I did a step up, and and for like years and years, it was like my go-to drum machine. Uh, But I made this little beat, and he played guitar, and I wrote the song, and it's glorious. Awesome. It's about my philosophy as as a punk rock RA. From a philosophy of pirate to a philosophy is a punk rock RA in Georgia. Let's do it.
I'm going to punch you in your mouth is my favorite lyric. <laughs> <laughs> and the irony of it right now, too, is there's a rooster about three doors down. Well, it's not crawling. What does a rooster do? That's not surprising. But, yeah, no, it's not surprising, but it's awesome. That there's a rooster, as you're listening to, I'm going to punch you in your mouth. <laughs> yes, yes. Would a, if a rooster was a human, would it punch you in the mouth? I think so. I think so. Roosters would do something grimy like that. Cockfighting. They don't give a snip. Nope. Sounds a lot more polished, admittedly, than a lot of the stuff you were playing earlier in college. Yeah, there's definitely growth here. And I don't know, the the whole thing about the song, I kind of like, I I was always, I never was like a real punk. I was a poser, so that was kind of what the lyrics were kind of like, (laughs) you know, saying like, you have to get a mohawk. Mm -hmm. No, I gathered that. It's kind of making fun of those punk tropes in a way. You can't be more of of a punk than I am. Right, right. But I was excited about being an RA, so like I wrote that song before I became an RA and then recorded it later on. You must have had an experience with an RA, Allison. Yeah, I had an RA. Wow. My RA would smoke pot with me. Did they yeah. get pulled from their position yeah, as an RA? Yeah, you can get fired for that. No. Well, I only had an RA for like a year and a half, and then I moved into my own studio apartment. Got it. Like out of housing. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely yeah. forgot to put in my housing form. And then when the next year came around, they were like, oh, you better find an apartment or you can't, you know, what are you going to do, son? And then I was just like, Ugh. and they were like, also, all sophomores are required to live on campus, but you can't live on campus. We had RAs that were almost always universally annoying. Even the cool ones were annoying at my school. And I had a pretty like like laid back school. I had only had one RA that was ever good. He was on the cover of the student handbook. He didn't care about anything. Like, my school was not athletic, and he was the one athlete at my whole job, well, the only jock at my whole school. And he would just be like, dude, I just do whatever you want. For the first two years, I lived in a single. Ah. Didn't have to have roommates at all for at least three of the years of my four years in undergrad. My first and second year, I lived right next door to the RA's room, so... I did all of my nefarious activities elsewhere. Yeah, I, I never wrote anybody up. And, like, I hey. remember doing the room inspections, and I see some dudes that got, like, their, their empty liquor bottles, and they're just like, yo, just hide those. You were one of the chill ones. Yeah, yeah. If they were smoking pot, I'd just say, hey, God, cover that up. Don't. No, I'd be that kind of guy that would walk in, and they, I'd see, like, the open bottles, if I was. I never, yeah. I never had a position of authority like that, for good reason. It's just, <laughs> look, who wants to be that guy who, like, 
okay, everybody drinks and whatever. Who wants to be the guy who busts kids for doing that? No, but you don't be like, even, you like don't be cool, even better man. to be like the guy who doesn't bust you, but is also dirty. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so you walk in and you're like, oh, look at this open bottle of whiskey, huh? And you just like drink it to the face. And you're like, yeah, I didn't see that. <laughs> I was wondering when that voice was going to come out. <laughs> For our final act, you're going to be rapping over the beat that you made on your laptop and sequenced into my computer before yeah. it went to air. Yes, yeah, a different approach. But as far as like what I've been doing in, in New York with with playing live, um, so I have my, my turntable, I have my guitar, and it's to add a bit of uh, live spontaneity to hip-hop, which hip-hop sometimes have a hard has a hard time of achieving. Yeah. My understanding is, is that you've been implementing this process through the open mic scene. Yeah, yeah, do some open mics, mainly Brooklyn, Staten Island. And everything I've, I've done is kind of like a utilitarian as far as that process. So like the, the guitar, when I first started, I didn't have the guitar. I had uh, my mini synth, but the mini synth meant, oh, I need an extra stand for that. And then it was also, oh, but and it also needs a power source. And then if I was like rocking here, I'd be like, oh. Oh, where's C? Where's middle C? And, and so the the guitar was nice, just being able to wear the keys and and have it on me, and then it runs on batteries. Yeah, and I don't need to stand. I, I mean, I'm basically em- just... envious of your entire setup, right? And now. then people think it's cool. Yeah, I mean, it has that. Added it's just like uh, when when ja Rule said, "Baby girl, put it on me." <laughs> Happy birthday, Ja Rule! Ja Rule's gonna be turning ten or eleven. Murder. Guitar, and I thought for like the first two times you said guitar, I thought you were saying guitar. Oh, I'm gonna text. Well, I'm gonna have to text you this photo. It, it's legit. You can look at my Instagram. I posted <laughs> yep. a photo of it. It's beautiful. At uh, Slim Jim Jam. CDJ, a Roland guitar, and all uh, made through his uh, beats on his laptop through my laptop, and we're gonna play this beat, and uh, Rumchuck is going to rhyme over it said like you know i learned bass and so i also like yeah. play some guitar and so there's a little guitar twinging that i did in there and cool. that, can i stand up for this I yeah you may that. you may this is a lost and rewound first uh oh, in yeah. terms of the way this is set up so let's uh give it a shot here i'm gonna play oh. the beat i get loud when i rap you might want to turn down my levels okay <laughs> lost and rewound. let's get loud lost and rewound you've got the floor You won't. 
Creating inspiration. I'm you, there's a reason that's his Damn signature though. track. Damn, though. My God. Dang, that was great. That was awesome. phenomenal. Honestly, like, we get a whole lot of acoustic joints in here that are powerful, but like in terms of you stood up, you shouted, you fucking you poured into the microphone, man. That was legit. The the yeah the, the live stuff, especially like when I'm when I'm doing stuff live, it just feels like a whole nother level. Just you're pumped up, and I unleash it, and that's why I go for like this live madness when I'm up. 
you can only do so much on a recording, uh, but then when you're actually performing it live, it's just uh, it's very effective. You got to take it to the streets, and I haven't really. I felt, I felt like I've never had that opportunity because yeah. after I joined the Coast Guard, they sent me to Valdez, Alaska. There's no hip hop scene there, and then there was Charleston, and there wasn't really much of a scene there. But now I'm in New York, and New York's the place. This is the birthplace of hip hop, and I'm making things happen. Where can, where can people cool. find you online? You got the Bandcamp and a SoundCloud, yeah? Yeah, Bandcamp, SoundCloud, that's Rumchug, that's R-U-M-C-H-U-G, one word. Uh, Facebook, Instagrams, you, you know, it's just social media. I also have a... <laughs> I love that you call them Instagrams, because honestly, that's what they should be called. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. why not? Uh, we, we can we see like them sometimes. Yeah, like Golden Grams, Instagrams. He can see them sometimes at my mic on Mondays at Tilt. Yes, sir. Yes, I, I, yeah, I go Jimmy's mic. Comes to bl- he comes to, to bust the mic, I guess. Uh, um, I have a rumchug.com. I need to, like, finish it. I'm kind of lazy on that. But everybody can hear your music, buy your music, be yeah. able to follow in where you're going to be oh, next. Oh, yeah, Facebook. Uh, yeah, yeah, because uh, the SoundCloud uh, with the, the rumchug, that's since I have my country tracks on there, too. That's oh. a whole other level. Maybe we'll do that a later. A whole but... other level. You'll have to come back again for that sometime. Yeah, I did country. I mainly recorded country in Valdez. I didn't, I, I kind of, like, stopped doing hip-hop for a while. But from the country music, I learned uh, so much about recording and and just song progression and stuff. It was it was a great lesson. Rumchug here on Lost and Rewound. I think that's a successful episode, don't you think? It is. It's great. Absolutely. Allison, you rock for calling in and being a part of today's fun and, and excitement. It was awesome. You're gonna have to superimpose my fate. Well, that's oh true. We're that... gonna have to uh, like <laughs> add you to the picture, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll we'll figure something out. Just take a photo of yourself in your current state, and then we'll figure out a way. Make sure you're like smiling a lot in the in the way that you would be with with us. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, Uh, we got to get out of here. Rob Pritchard's coming up shortly with the Brooklyn band Stand, and that is it for Lost and Rewound. This has been episode one thirteen, and we will be back next week with another unpredictable and exciting edition of this tape archaeology. I'm Alon. I'm Jimmy. I'm Allison. And we got Rum Chug here as well. Thank you so much for joining us, man. Uh, Thank you. This was fun. And thanks to all our listeners. You'll hear us right here on Radio Free Brooklyn next week. Lost and rewound. Come and get embarrassed with us. Does your butt itch you? (laughs) (laughs) Does your taint tingle more often than you'd like? (laughs) Keep going. Do you need taint help? We got the taint experts. (laughs) Experts. (laughs) Jackass.